I was curious on the um, cripple that mm -hmm. you interviewed. I think it was the last one. I yeah, yeah, remember. Jeff Kripal, yeah. Jeff Kripal, yeah. I'm one of, I'm, I'm fan of his work. I love his his book about supernatural. Oh yeah, the one with Streber. Yeah, with Streber, and the, I think there was one chapter dedicated to to ballet work. Yeah, I think they're friends, and he he admires his work too. So they, they I think they collaborate a little bit. Did I mention during because uh, I had uh, the screener? Yeah, a screener to my friend Miguel who lives in Mexico, Mexico City. Oh, uh, because he wanted to come and talk to you as well. Is that okay? No problem. Yes, of course. Because I told him at one point during the interview, I want him to ask you a question in Spanish. And you answer in Spanish. Okay. What, what's his name? Sorry. Miguel. Miguel. Yeah, Miguel, Miguel Romero. Excellent. And he was able to to see my movie. He yes. already watched it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent. Miguel watched yes, it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Miguel. Can you hear him? Uh, hola, Alan. Hola, Miguel. ¿Qué tal? Aquí mucho gusto. Un gusto. <laughs> gusto es mío. Uh, Miguel came up with, a, a, he watched the film and, and wrote down some questions. I've got about 40 different questions, which, which we will never, <laughs> we'll never get to all of them, obviously, but I, I like to over-prepare. I only watched the film again for, for the second time, uh, last night and this morning. So it's oh. fresh in my mind. It's very fresh. Excellent. Yeah. That, and I procrastinate a lot. So <laughs> me too. Don't worry. <laughs> I think everybody. I'm an ex I have a PhD in, in that field. No, the, the whole extraterrestrial thing is not, uh, not a viable solution to this. We, we need to go through a turning point in the study of, of this whole domain away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by you know, aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work. I have this hunch that, the, um, that, this, that this phenomenon is, um, comes, from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information. And the fact that they can interact with us at all suggests that, uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information. Are we uh, well conditioned here? Yes. in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. 
Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso? God damn, that's a long intro. <laughs> that's just way too long. I think I should shorten it up. <laughs> Let me turn that speakers off. So uh, how is everybody? We're here with Alan Stivelman, who directed this amazing movie, Witness of Another World, and our friend Miguel Romero, who uh, also known as Red Pill Junkie, who's longtime friend and co-hosting for the second time here. Uh, how you guys doing? Hi, Greg. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. I'm great. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm the chance to talk to Alan about this uh, wonderful film and this incredible case. I didn't know about this until I saw the screening that was going to happen at Contact in the Desert. So the fact that uh, Dr. Valet was there also, I thought, well, I actually do have to come out. I wouldn't have normally come out to that conference, but I thought, oh my God, I have to, because I haven't heard of, <laughs> I haven't even heard of this film or this project. And I saw the film and I was emotionally affected by it quite a bit. And I noticed that Dr. Valet was too. Actually still, <laughs> he's in the film and he's and he was emotionally affected by it just sitting there watching it. He's probably seen it 10 times already. So that was kind of incredible to me. Actually, you know what, Alan, it'd probably be better for you to describe um, what the story is, um, who uh, Juan Perez is and the initial incident. Well, this is a story of life the story of a case, a supernatural case that was part of... Uh, it was it was a case that runs in 1978. Uh, the, witnesses, the witness is Juan Perez. It was a child by then. He was 12 years old. Um, he witnesses, like... It was a big aircraft, a big ship, but 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 that time he thought that he was witnessing like a tractor, like a little house for for the workers. He didn't knew that he was watching like a real UFO, and he had an experience that lasts for two hours, two hours and a half. Mm. But that yeah. When the it was part of his routine. It was six a.m. in the morning. His father told to Juan to bring the herd, the horses, back to the, the to the house to start working. This is an Argentine, Argentina, yes. Argent, Argentinian gaucho. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Argentinian gaucho in the heart of of Argentina, in the center. It's a province called Santa Fe. The city is Venado Tuerto, but Juan doesn't live in the city. He lives, he used to live in the countryside, a big, very big, like, farm. And when I met Juan, uh, when he started to telling me his story, his case, immediately after, he started to cry. And I knew that he was telling me the truth. I didn't understand what he was telling me because every time he Juan started to talk about his case, he mixed the beginning with the end, with the middle. So the story is really messy. 
it's not easy to explain what he saw. So in the movie, you will see like the one of the biggest scenes is a regression that was made by a psychiatrist, a very famous one, Dr. Nestor Berlanda. I asked him to, to participate in the movie because he was the one who introduced me to Juan. Ah. And Juan, Juan was willing to like make a step and be part of this regression. And when we did it, it was an amazing experience because some lost memory came up with the with experience. Because if you read the initial report, you will see that some of the some of some details were not accurately true because the first time not true. It was like mixed up. The the time and space was very different because it was written when Juan was 12. So it was really hard for him to express what he experienced. So at the beginning of this project, I had like my idea was just to find out what is this UFO phenomenon means. What is behind of this UFO phenomenon? We are dealing with aliens. We are dealing with another dimension. We are dealing with mad people that recreates uh, fantasies. But then suddenly, when I met Juan, I find out that I, I was dealing with a real person with real emotion, where uh, with a very big heart. And the only and the only thing that he wanted is to be listened. So then as a filmmaker, my only mission was to help Juan. That's the reason why Jack Ballet wanted to be part of this film, because when I wrote this letter to him, asking him for our help, uh, asking him for interview him, sorry, in San Francisco, San Francisco, he replied to me saying that he's willing to come to Argentina to help Juan. So the, the script changed completely mm. and the movie is just about a niner journey. It's about a healing process. And of course, it's about the most important thing of a UFO case is the witness, not what he, the, what they see or what they saw. It's only about the human perspective of this phenomenon. <laughs> what happened was um, in 1978, you correct me if I'm wrong here, Alan. In 1978, Juan Perez lived with his family on a farm in Argentina, uh, ranchers, gauchos, and... Yeah. He was told to go out and, I guess, uh, find the uh, either cattle or horse herd. Um, mm -hmm. He rode out very early, and uh, according to what I've read in the film, that while he was on this ride looking for the horses, he encountered what you said was he thought was a, a house or a tractor or something like that. And um, I don't know if he remembered this right away or it was during the regression or something like that, but that he went on some kind of object or ship and met and interacted with uh, some sort of beings and yeah. that uh, this bothered him uh, for the uh, from 12 years old all the way up to when you first met him it was he was in um, kind of a uh, uh, spiritual and psychological crisis which uh, bothered him every day and the point that was made in the film and I think you talked about uh, when you showed the film was that 
this caused a break not only with him, but also from his family, from his community. People wouldn't talk to them. They made fun of him. And he was. And what's said in the film is that actually this frightened him. He was scared of being thought of as crazy, and that's how people treated him. And that um, part of the reason that you did this film was to, as you said, try and help him, if not reintegrate uh, back into his community, but also with himself so that he was at peace or understood in some way his experience and so that he could go on with life. Is that accurate? It's perfectly explained because after this experience, Juan lived all his life by himself, like isolated, Mm. because he was receiving mockery from his family, from his relatives, his friends, his co-workers. Mm-hmm. So it was obligated to seek refuge. He, he lives as a refugee in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Because if you, but if you meet Juan, you will see a person very friendly, very open, that like to speak to people. But in the, at the moment that he started to, to talk about his case, you will perceive that he's, he's still traumatized. After more than 30 years, he was still traumatized about his experience, but most, but mostly about what happened after the case. Because mm. Juan started to have precognitive dreams, premonition dreams, uh, about accidents, about death, mm. that he couldn't stop. So that was like, for him, it was a real nightmare to live with among that. Yeah, uh, uh, Miguel, jump in anytime you want. I've got like a thousand questions, but they don't they don't have to be yeah. in any order. Um, yeah, exactly. And and we could spend the remainder of the interview just um, uh, giving platitudes to this uh, wonderful documentary. I, I I'm not much of a fan of UFO films, but I can definitely affirm that this is the best UFO film I've ever seen. Uh, like Greg. I was uh, emotionally moved by by both the story, but both the way that it was told. It was really, really well told in a very intimate, intimate manner. Um, but uh, jumping up with uh, yeah, my my also my million questions. <laughs> one one thing about the, the story of Juan uh, reminded me a bit about uh, a book. That I don't know, Alan, if you have ever heard of it or, or maybe even read it. Black Elk Speaks. Uh, no, I never heard it. No. Black Elk was um, a Native American shaman that lived, uh, I want to say, in the late 19th century. And the story, that book talks about what, how he got the calling to be a shaman and, and mm. started with with an illness an illness and also with a with a nightmare that was really traumatizing for for this kid and one of the things that the book uh, states is how the whole tribe the, the whole of his tribe tried to help him to make sense of this dream that he had by recreating the dream, like the, the, the uh, elder of the tribe asked all of the members of the tribe to, to almost like reenact the dream the kid had, which 
consisted of having some kind of like silver snake that was crossing into the land and, and how they always all tried to do that. And it really helped this kid to make sense of the dream and also to understand that he was giving this call to be a shaman. And of course, mm. that dream is kind of like a symbol of how the, the white man was going to enter the land of, 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 of the Native Americans with these silver snakes, the trains, and how they were going to ravage the land and all of that. So my question is, how could we make these integrations, uh, mm. these people less painful? Wow, excellent question. Um, I'm still dealing with that question because every case I think is unique because mm -hmm. every human being is unique on, on their way. Mm -hmm. In the case of Juan, the case, I think the case of Juan is so wonderful because many things. Mm -hmm. the, the first thing is it was the witness was a child. The other aspect is the richness of the case because it has so many details, so many aspects, so many variables. But I, I have to tell you something that is not part of the movie, but it was like the, it was my fuel to start doing this film. I had a conversation, a very private conversation with his, with, with, with his mother. Mm. His mother was very terrified about about Juan being alone on the farm just by himself. She, she told me that Juan was marked on his arm. And from and the experience, the aliens. Yeah. Sorry. From the experience, he had this mark on his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Exactly. I'm sorry. And, and, and she, she's, she was telling me that they knew they, the aliens knew where he was and she could be abducted at any time. Mm. So she was really terrified about this idea. And I was trying to explain her that I was coming to visit Juan, to visit his family, just to know, to know more about the case, about his life, trying to help Juan. By that time, I was not doing a film, and it was not part of my idea. But then she mm. suddenly told me that, she told me like, son, you don't understand. I had the same experience when I was a child. Mm. I know, yeah. And she told me that she was kidnapped. And then suddenly I was like frightened. I, I, I froze myself. I couldn't say anything else because it was my first time dealing with people that had an, a supernatural experience and, and a very traumatizing family. And it was, mm, it was, very big for me to deal with this situation. And then after three years, after three years of research, of, mm, yeah, trying to, to integrate what, what I experienced with, the, with that family, I start to make, like, conclusions. One of the conclusions was that probably this phenomenon is linked to a lineage. Juan didn't know at that time that, that his mother had the same. It was like a secret. Mm. But I don't know why she told me that secret. She felt that that wanted to share it with me. So one of the questions that I had is, 
if there is a yeah, there is a connection between the ancestry and the phenomenon the other one the other one was like if there is a connection between the afterlife and the phenomenon and yes. um, because i feel now i feel more but but that time i feel that the there are some missing parts on the extraterrestrial hypothesis it's not enough for me so i try to make like yeah. spiritual connection that's the reason why i went to the Guarani community and the first step that I made with this film is to go straight to Paraguay I entered to the jungle I went to the most closest uh, communities and shamans there and I was very well received and then suddenly I start to realize the way the shamans perceived this phenomenon they perceive the, the phenom all the phenomenons as natural. Mm -hmm. For example, the Guaranis, the connection with the higher levels or higher realms, it's thanks to the dreams. They say that the world of dreams is more real than our reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I started to to make conclusions with that experience and try to understand that Juan was, Juan had uh, like a, a shamanic call when he yeah. was 12. And the tw the year of 12 is very important for the, the shamanic world. It's, it's, yes. it's when you start to be a grown man, you become an adult, and there are some rituals, passive, uh, I think it's called a right of rituals passage. of passage. Yeah. Yeah, right. of passage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we can we can take this this experience, this close encounter as an ancient ritual of passage. But mm -hmm. what what happened with Juan? He couldn't have uh, like a wise man to help integrate this experience because the only man that had the power on him was he, his grandfather. Mm -hmm. And his grandfather yes died, passed away when Juan was 10 years old. And mm -hmm. this experience happened two years after. So Juan felt that he lost the most important connection with his roots. The most important connection was his grandfather. He was the one who had in, in his blood the Guarani connection. Mm -hmm. People should so know Guarani is, uh, is an indigenous tribe in South America, um, spread through different countries, specifically, I think, Argentina and Paraguay. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's so that... that very I want, important one. Yeah, I wanted to make that clear. Also, during his um, encounter, he said he, he saw his grandfather and talked to him. Yeah, well, that, that part was mind-blowing because... That scene or that part was not part of the original report. Yes. When mm -hmm. when suddenly during the regression, Juan visualized his grandfather and start to cry, saying like, "Oh, grandfather, grandfather, I miss you so much." Mm -hmm. Suddenly we 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 look each other with the psychiatrist and and say, "What the fuck? What's going on? Why is the <laughs> grandfather in the middle of this experience?" Yeah, it never came out before until that uh, that regression. No. Yeah, it it was new, and it was the first time we did a regression to Juan. Mm -hmm. So I think his mind blocked that memory 
And we still don't know what, why was his grandfather in that experience. Probably because Juan started to ask him, why to me? Why this happened to me? Mm. And then after a while, the, the tall being uh, grabbed his arm very strong. And I don't know if Juan traveled to another dimension and he had only a vision. But in that vision, he saw his grandfather in a, in a village very similar to the ones in Paraguay. And in that village, there were plenty of other tall beings. Mm. And this is not part of the movie. It no, was it isn't. something <laughs> that we did another regression after, uh, one year after the movie was done. And he told us that in that vision, he saw like a big village full mm. of dead people because they were his relatives. Mm-hmm. He, there were, his grandfather was, was there, his grandmother, other people that he never met. And there, the, the, the special part was that in the, in the center of this village, in, in, not, not the center, sorry, in the frontier between Juan and the other side, there was a line full of tall beings, the same one that had in the, in the, in the ship. Mm-hmm. And, and Juan asked in the regression, in that experience, asked his grandfather, who are they? Grandfather, who are they? And the grandfather replied to him saying like, they are the tatas, son, the tatas. Tatas in South America or probably in Mexico too means like the fathers. They exactly. are our fathers. Yeah. So, so it's, <laughs> you see that it, it's the, 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 the case every time gets more and more complicated. Of course. Or rich, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I, Richard, yeah. yeah. People should know also that uh, what happens during the film was that you took Juan to a um, Warani um, village. He spoke with them. And I think you mentioned to him that you had spoken with these people and they asked you to give messages to him about what his experience yeah. was and what their uh, interpretation of it was. And when he heard this, I think you have a scene where he's it's just him realizing that this is part of the answer he's been looking for. It's a very long take, like maybe a couple of minutes where he just talks and half the time he isn't even talking. He's just mm-hmm. um, yeah. reacting and crying and thinking. And I found that very powerful. But the thing was that that was his uh, introduction to his heritage and possibly that he might find some answers there. Did he know about the, his connection to the Warani, or is that basically everybody's mestizo there, so they all have some either close or, or maybe distant connection with that, with the no, he, original? No, the only, the, only the only connection was his grandfather. Everyone is mestizo, and mm. that was the bad part, because after his grandfather passed away, he lost that connection with that world. Mm. And the moment that he saw the videos that I showed in a scene showing the message oh, that's from right, the yeah. Warani, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I show it in, on my laptop, and he was very moved, moved by those scenes because he felt that he was not alone. Because after that moment, he, he felt that he was the only one in the world that right. was having this experience, living 
as a he was living in a in a hell. Yeah. So it's it, it's it it was really the, the movie had or, or more than the movie the project or the journey that we joined with Juan had plenty of stages. Um, mm-hmm. the, I think the, the question was about the integration. The integration mm-hmm. was it's not completed. I, I think now it's we are getting to a, a to an ending because when, when the movie ends, you will see. I don't want to make spoilers, but <laughs> we we try to to approach to this integration. But the for example, when we show the movie to in Venado Tuerto, the, the hometown of Juan, mm-hmm. the first screen, the first screening, the the half of the cinema were relatives of Juan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and after the movie ended, everyone was crying, everyone was hugging Juan, saying like, now I understand you, brother, sorry, sorry for those all of these years that you felt alone. Now we are a family. Now we are together. It was very emotional because it's it's like the, the message. It uh, it's not only healed one. It started to heal his relatives, his mother also because his mother remembered that she had the same experience, and she she's she, she's if you ever if you ever meet her you will see that she's very shamanic mm. but uh, she has powers you for example now Juan understands why his mother doesn't want to anyone to touch her and he never knew why because it's something strange because you want like a hug from your mother for example but she doesn't want to receive any t- kind of touch on his on her body Mm-hmm. And now he understands why. For example, if you touch or if she touches you, she will perceive everything about you. She mm-hmm. has that kind of power. She will receive messages from you, from if you have an illness, etc. So she doesn't want to anyone anyone to be to be involved with her. So she's really uh but that time she was really, how can I say? She was really locked, locked in. But mm-hmm. after the movie, she started to share this knowledge. She started to share these feelings with Juan, and then she's more open now. His mother is more open. His Juan also, his brother. So the integration was still like being part after the movie was done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really feels like like the movie was definitely uh, I want to say meant to be. You know, part of a part of uh, one's journey, part of uh, one's um, integration process, part part of one's treatment. It also seems that uh, uh, Nestor Berlanda also played a, an important role. Although I wanted to ask you, what's your opinion of the role of hypnosis regression? Uh, in the treatment of um, so-called alien abductees, this is something that is a very contentious issue yeah. in, in the field of ufology. And even Dr. Jacques Vallée, who uh, is part of the film, is part uh, is a friend of one, 
has uh, criticized yeah uh, you know, I know amateur uh, amateur hypnot hypnotherapists going and regressing uh, these people and possibly uh, implanting you know yeah. false memories into them so yeah, yeah so it's suggesting things in a suggestible state yeah mm -hmm. exactly um, yes I discussed that topic with Jack plenty of times also with Dr. Berlanda but I want to I want to say that uh, in the movie we didn't practice hypnosis it's a different technique. I know in North America it's very popular, the hypnosis, mm -hmm. but we use another kind of technique that it's, for example, the difference between the technique that we use in the movie and than the hypnosis is the witness is full aware of what is happening and after the meditation he will remember everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he can integrate what he saw in the experience. Is the hypnosis is very deep. It's another kind of state, and um, you, as the therapist, you can implant false memories. You can uh, try to persuade the witness or to to do things or say things that does didn't happen. So there is a. It's. I know that it seems to be similar or equal to hypnosis, but uh, I think the Dr. Berlanda called, called it like a relaxation technique, and that's right. it. Because the good part is after the regression, we can ask Juan, what happened? What did you see? What did you smell? Uh, the, the tall guy told you something or not. He will be full aware of the whole process and he will remember everything so it's i'm not uh like i'm not a fan of hypnosis because yes. of the things that we mentioned i'm also not big fan of this kind of derogation that we did in the movie but actually it went really well with juan so i think in some cases if it's driven by good therapies it could work very well or driven by a, a desire to have the person make sense of their their encounter or whatever that happened to them without having to impose anybody's ideas about what happened to them or, you know, we're going to make a book out of it or whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. I, one thing I exactly. thought was really interesting that I wanted to ask about is Dr. Berlanda, he says, um, well, ask, the, ask that being what's going on or ask your grandfather which is very strange because that doesn't seem like something you could do. I mean, did, if he didn't ask the being or the grand, his grandfather what was going on at the time, what would be the value of asking them in a relaxed state? And the only thing I could think of was, well, it, if he relives the incident, maybe he can get an impression about if he did ask that kind of question, what would the answer be? So that was my model for it. But um, what what did you think is gained by asking a question about about asking a question of a memory? If you know, if you understand yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I totally understand it, and it's one of the hardest thing to uh, to answer because after after the regression, we spent hours with Dr. Belanda dealing with that question because mm -hmm. what was happening because. If you if you were part of this experiment, you some some weird things happened. For example, 
in the moment that Juan interacts with the tall being asking and receiving answers, mm-hmm. everyone falls asleep in the in the, fr- from the crew, the cameraman, what? the boom operator. What? Yeah. Every, everyone in the room and in the next room fall asleep. Everyone. Just Dr. Berlanda and myself were the only one who were wake, uh, awakened. And the other thing that happened during this interaction between Juan and the Tolbin was that the light was starting to like uh, flickering, to make flickers. But very, very rough, very rough and fast. Oh, you mean the and light the, in the room, the, the, the room light? Yeah, the, the room light, but the, the lighting room from my, from my crew, from, from the set. Oh, and the, and the set the lights too, yeah, okay. Yeah, because there were no, um, in that house, there is no electricity. So the light were Generator. with batteries. No, not generator, even... Oh. Even worse, because it was just with batteries, so oh, okay. it's impossible to flick yeah, yeah. that light. Uh-huh. But it was just in the part of the interaction. Mm. When Juan interacts with the phenomenon, the light moves very fast. Uh, and one of the things that we said with Dr. Berlanda is that mm, I don't think that well, it is just an idea, don't don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. like one was not having like a, um, opening his memory and just seeing like a, like a dream. He was actually reliving it. He was actually acting with the phenomenon again in another time and space dimension, probably. Right, right. It's really hard to explain and it's really hard to say, but... It's no, no, not I, I normal. understand. Everyone falling asleep. The lights start to to have a phenomenon also. But the only explanation that I try to 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 have is that Juan, his consciousness was dealing actually with that phenomenon again. Yeah, I guess it's very difficult to explain it from our. Uh, point of view, point of reference, because we are bound by uh, space-time, but more and more we seem to have to reach the conclusion that this phenomenon operates uh, outside of time, you know, unbound by by such constraints of of our, you know, third dimensions, the three dimensions and the four dimensions in time. Uh, Another thing I wanted to ask you, Alan, is... um, we often say in, in this um, uh, in this podcast, Radio Misterioso, that when you pay atten- start to pay attention to the phenomenon, the phenomenon equally starts to to pay attention to you. So I wanted, I was wondering if, aside from these uh, strange th- things that you are um, sharing with us, uh, if any other strange happenings occurred occurred to you personally during the oh. filming. Of the documentary, you know, yeah. dreams, synchronicities, or after mm-hmm. or before, actually. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I had uh, uh, before. Um, I think when I was doing my first film, I had an experience in Cusco, in Peru. Mm. I was I witnessed 
uh, an object on this. It, I will try to explain it in the in the in the best way possible because it's really <laughs> hard. It's uh, I was I was working on my first film. It's called Humano. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with a shaman from the Andes. Uh, we were like chilling in outside, drinking some beers, watching the stars, talking about uh, extraterrestrial hypotheses, about life, about death. It was more like a phil- philosophical chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was having a headlamp on my on my head, and I was looking at the stars. And suddenly, I w- I start watching one particular light in the sky that was moving. And I said to Placido, that was the shaman next to me, "This is a satellite." And she replied me to me, "Yes, look at the movement. It's a satellite." Oh, okay, okay. Then we start drinking again. Blah blah blah. And suddenly another light came up, but but it was dancing, moving very, very slowly and then fast. And then Mm. I was not taken seriously because by that time I didn't uh, believe in UFO. And then I was start to making like Morse code with my light to to that light. And the light started moving very, very fast. And then suddenly, fade away. I went to my room, start to dream. And at three o'clock in the morning, mm. I woke up to go to the to make pee pee pee. But I tried to open my eyes and I couldn't do it. Mm. I touched my eyes and there were two balls, like two big balls, in my in my eyes. I was like, I was the elephant man. I I didn't, I don't suffer from allergies. I never, I don't, I didn't use drugs. Oh, they my were sw- swelled up, closed. Yeah, my eyes were full mm. of, I don't know what, but I couldn't, my eyes couldn't open. Uh-huh. So I, mm. I was really frightened. And then I went again to my bed and and wait to to the dawn, and when when I saw he, the the wife of the shaman, she she look at me and say, "What the fuck happened to you?" <laughs> and I and then I I realized that I was really fucked up because if she was afraid of me mm-hmm. and yeah. she's the the wife of the shaman and <laughs> she doesn't know what happened to me, then I I had the right to be afraid. <laughs> I slept all the day, and the shaman came uh, again to the house because he was on the mountains doing some rituals, and he asked to the coca lips is the way that they like ask for the to the providence, yeah. and the coca lips told me that I um, I wasn't prepared to see the invisible world. Uh-huh. And probably I saw something that I wasn't prepared to see it. And mm-hmm. the shaman started to say, like, what did you see? What did you see? And I told him, remember last night we saw the light. Oh, that light. Yes, you were mocking, uh, mocking, like, like getting fun of that light. And 
it's like the answer of we are serious. We like right. try to take this subject very serious because we are real or this thing is real. So that was the first one when I was 25. Mm. And the next one was when I was 28 here in Seville, in Spain, the same city that I'm now. It was mm. one o'clock in the morning. I was talking by Skype on the phone. One Yes, one o'clock in the morning. I was on, the, on a roof and suddenly a, a light started to come to me and start I saw like a light full of fire mm -hmm. all around the the diameter was like full of fire and and then I start to look to staring at at this light and and I feel that when the when this light noticed that, that I was looking at it then mm -hmm. he moved really fast and very um, very fast from me and faded away, mm -hmm. and then I couldn't move, and it, I didn't understand what happened. That was the the second one, and the third one was during the movie. Mm -hmm. The one one night was really really scared. He was like trembling, saying like, "Tonight they are coming. Tonight they are coming. You will see that twelve o'clock, the dogs were going to howl." Right. And there is a scene, a funny scene that I say, like, yes, it's two, two, 12 o'clock in the morning, but I couldn't bring myself to go outdoor. I, I, right. I couldn't. But yeah. the dogs were really mad. They were um, getting a lot of noises. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> but you didn't, yeah, yeah, you didn't want to go and see what it was. No, no, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. I was, uh, no. when you talked to uh, Dr. Berlanda, he said at one point that, um, I'm not even looking at my questions, but what I remember is he said at one point that one stopped growing or was a child and and yeah. basically was, he stopped developing into an adult at age 12. Um, yeah. Do you agree with that? Because I when I watched the film, it seems like he's very childlike through a lot of the film until he goes and visits the Warani. Uh When he yeah. comes back, he seems, I don't know if, because uh, documentaries, you can do anything. But when he's, no, after he, that yeah. experience, yeah. he seemed, like he, there was a maturity in him that wasn't there before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. The, the, one of the beautiful, beautiful things of the movie is that you see like a progression on the life yes. of Juan. You see like a, a very isolated man, very, yes, it, he has like the, uh, the, the spirit of a child. He has the, that joy, that he's innocent. very, yeah, yeah, innocence. Yeah, thank you. That, that's the right word because one of the things that I really loved about Juan is his innocence. He's really pure. Mm -hmm. He's yes. really pure. So I think at the end of the movie, one of the things that is good is that we took one year to shoot the whole film. It was not done in three weeks or four weeks, like, like the regular documentaries. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. took one year to to integrate the experience, to help Juan. It was made by, by stages. So that's the reason why you could see 
that there is two different men from one from the beginning and yes. the other one at the end that it's very well established well settled um, yeah. more integrated the experience was integrated yeah yeah the child had to die so the the man could live mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah. Speaking well, of, speaking of, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. No, 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 please, please, Miguel. Oh, I, I wanted to share, Alan, with you and and, and with our listeners something uh, that happened to me <laughs> after I watched your documentary. Mm, he hasn't even told me about ago. this. Yeah, like I watched it twice in a row. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I took many, many Thank notes, you. and then and, and then I spoke with Greg until two in the morning, you know, talking about how great it was and all of this. And then the next day I, I returned to my daily activity of reading uh, Jacques Vallée's Forbidden Science Journals, you mm. know, which is something that I, I highly, highly recommend to anyone interested in all of this. I reached the page 404, 404, in Forbidden Science 2, and I found something that immediately reminded me on, of the case of Juan. And if you don't mind, I, I want to read it to you. Please. Uh, it, it relates to something that uh, some friends of, of Jacques uh, told him about, so, uh, ca some cases that were happening in, in Northern California. And he says here, the latest case is so remarkable that it's worth noting here. It came through the sheriff's office in Colusa, where a local Indian man named Amos claims to be regularly visited by a strange being. The police heard about it through a local rancher. It turned out Amos had been seeing his visitors since the 50s. The scenario was constant. An object landed near the cabin and a little man came out wearing a suit and mask that gave the appearance of a trunk in front of his face. He had cylindrical legs and, would, and could levitate by twisting a knob on his belt. He wore mittens and could go through walls. When the saucer arrived, the cabin just started vibrating and the wall got erased while the entity glided in. So when I read that, mm. you know, the image of this entity wearing you know, some kind of breathing apparatus that resemble a trunk reminded me of Juan's case, you know, because here the taller entity yeah. was wearing a similar thing. And I'm a very uh, visual person, Alan. I'm a, I'm a designer by trade and an illustrator. I, I spend my whole childhood watching Saturday morning cartoons. So... Mm. What, hearing the idea of an entity with kind of like something like resembles a, a trunk reminded me of the Hindu god Ganesha. Yeah. Right? Mm, right. <laughs> so the moment that I thought of the Ganesha, I said, okay, maybe I could find something in, in the lore of, of this Hindu deity that is somehow related to the case. So I googled Ganesha, and oddly enough, the first thing that appears when you Google uh, the name Ganesha is that at the top of your of your search, there is a date that says Ganesh Chaturthi, and it said, uh, and it marked the day of September the second, two thousand nineteen. I was like, what? So I learned wow. that Ganesh 
Chaturthi is the festival that celebrates the birthday of Lord Ganesha, the, the Hindu god of wisdom and success. It is also known as Vinayaka Chaturthi and can last up to 10 days during the Hindu month of Vadra, which usually falls between mid-August and mid-September. So I guess because of the, the nature of the Hindu calendar, it's probably moon-based instead of solar-based like ours. It, yeah. the, 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 the date of the festival uh, changes from, from year to year. So I dug a little deeper <laughs> and care to guess when this festival in honor of the Lord Ganesha fell on the year of 1978? What? September 6th. <laughs> the year, the, wow. the exact date when Juan had, had, Juan had his encounter. So here, as you can imagine, I was really excited. I thought, oh, I, maybe some, I found something relevant here. Wow. And then I kept reading the journal and and here I keep reading this passage that says, Amos is illiterate. One of the last surviving members of a local tribe, he lives in a wooden cabin with no electricity. He intensely dislikes the little man who smells bad and takes away all the meat in the house, the product, <laughs> the product of Amos's hunting. They don't communicate. Occasionally, the being points to the bed as if ordering Amos to lie down, and he says, airfield, 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 end of the of the par- paragraph. So here, hmm. you know, there's some kind of interesting links between these and this other witness, this other contactee, you know, that is also a Native American. He also lives by himself, encounters an entity that wearing some kind of weird breathing apparatus, the entity wears mittens or gloves, and, and, and Juan also, you know, described the, the being a, a wearing some kind of like big gloves. And, and this idea of the, the entities taking away all the meat in the house, and, and uh, Juan describing one of the entities cutting meat inside of the mm. trap. And also the, the two of them ended up being hunters you know, I felt, well, maybe these are enough of a coincidence to feel that there's some kind of, you know, relationship. And also, obviously, the, the, the great relationship of them all is that uh, both of these cases were investigated by Jacques Vallée. By Jacques. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing this knowledge. No, thank you. Uh, and yeah, as you can, like, you can imagine, you know, I was very excited. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe this is something that can help both uh, Juan and Alan. You know, find another another yeah. piece of this puzzle. Yeah. Um. Do you, do you, uh, I know you hadn't heard that before, Alan? What What do you think of um, these connections that Miguel has made? Well, it's amazing. I think we are dealing with uh, with uh, with plenty of archetypes. Yes. We are dealing with Guaranese archetypes we are dealing with Mm -hmm. spiritual archetypes and i think that there is a connection between uh, how can i say the the, yes the higher levels the gods the the spiritual realm with the ufo phenomenon i truly believe that there is a connection i don't i still don't know why but 
nothing is random. The date yes. of the encounter was not random. The hour was not random. The, the name of Juan is not random. Juan Perez means like it's the same as John Doe in the exactly. United States. Is yeah. the is the no one? <laughs> yeah. So it's very it's very funny because an extraordinary case happens to a nobody, to a John Doe, to a Juan Perez. So mm -hmm. this case is full of symbols, and I think that it's a, an excellent case that we have to to take care very carefully because we will, as as Miguel find, found found out this this connection with Ganesha, and we we can ask what what if there is a connection between India or 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 the East with with the West. Or with the, the what if there is a connection between the afterlife and 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 the and our world? So I think the we, we don't know nothing about the UFO phenomenon. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's on the there's a connection, and I think you make this point in the film. There's a connection on a deeper deeper symbolic level. Um, about what's going on with him and with the UFO phenomenon and spirituality, consciousness, death, all that stuff. Oh, do you need to take your break? <laughs> yes, the, the bell rings. Can, yep. can we take a break now or we have to? Yeah, sure. No, no, we can take it's a break okay. right now. We'll just remember where we, we left off or we won't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Thank you. Through the valley walking, morning light was pale. Trees for silent company, flanked with the leaf on trail. As I climbed from slope to slope, the town lay there below me. Strange to know, for all his words, man is very, very frail. I stood on the hilltop, grass was damp and green. Wondering what I'd seen Through the lazy drifting clouds I caught a flash of brilliance There it hovered closer now Disco silver sheen Do, 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 do
up. Oh, they simply can't believe me, but I know the time is near when we all shall learn. Yes, I know the time is near when we all shall learn. Hello, Greg. Hello, Miguel. I'm I'm back. Sorry. That's okay. No, it worked. I was just starting to bitch and moan and whine and complain about things, which is what I do when the when the mic's off. <laughs> well, we were talking about there's a UFO cruise with you know all these uh, UFO stars on it, a, mm. an ocean cruise, and people were complaining about it and saying this and this terrible. And I and my reaction was, it's a show. Don't yeah. worry about it. It's a show. It's a, it's it's entertainment. It's show business. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Yes. Don't confuse and it. UFO. It's it's yeah. a business actually. Yeah. So that's one reason why I like the film so much. It came out of nowhere to me to show people that the at least the audience that the witness is very important. Um, in fact, the yeah. witness is probably the whole deal, and you should honor whatever they say and not put it into your framework. In fact, sitting and listening like you did in that great scene in the fire where you where he first talks to you about his experience. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I saw that as a metaphor for UFO study. Sit and listen, you know. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> how yeah. did How did Doctor Valet get involved? I mean, it, it's made clear in the film, but I, I think people should know listening, so they want to go see it. Well, how did he get involved, and why was he interested? Well, it's it's curious. I I I was a big fan. I'm actually a big fan also now, mm-hmm. but. I knew that Dr. Ballet met Juan when he was 14. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to, to, invite it, to invite him to, to be part of the movie. And like I wrote a letter, a handwritten letter with my first movie, with pictures of his visit to Argentina with Juan. And I explained to him the, the importance of the film, the message, the that Juan was not was was not well. He was really suffering about that experience that he had more than thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. And I didn't by by that time I didn't know that he will remember the case because it was only mentioned in one of his book, Confrontations. Mm-hmm. And I know that in some part of Forbidden Science, he mentions that, yeah. that, that case, but that's it. He probably studied more than 5,000, 10,000 cases. So I took a shot. Hmm. I sent that letter asking him for an interview in, to interview him in San Francisco. After a month, he sent me an email, very warm telling me that he was really worried about Juan, that he didn't know that he was suffering, that he couldn't integrate that ex- the experience. And he was inviting me to San Francisco to be part of the, he was really glad to be part of the movie. And when I, when I read that part, I was like jumping full of joy saying, yeah, yeah, Jack Ballet told me to, to to visit him but in the at the end of the letter he suggests me like i don't want to bother you or block the project or interrupt what you are doing but i have an idea what do you think if i go to argentina help juan 
and stay with you and your friends and try to to make uh, good scenes. Uh, it was like for me reading that it was like a gift. Mm-hmm. And he was he, this is the the kind of man that he is. He was going to pay all of the cost of the ticket and the accommodation just by himself. And but I didn't allow it. I wanted to invite him, yeah. but he was willing to not only to to give his time to stay with us, he was willing to pay all of his costs mm-hmm. just to stay with Juan. So he's a really wonderful man. Yeah, you read uh, uh, Forbidden Science Volume 3 and, and, and it's clear that uh, there's a special place in Dr. Valle's heart for Argentina that uh, the trip he took with his wife Janine in 1980 yeah. when he was invited yeah. by Fabio Serpa you know, to come and, and give a, 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 a set of conferences around the country. It yeah. meant a lot to, to both of them you know, that he was very impressed by the openness and also by the level of um, Argentinian uh, ufologists, people who were interested in, 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 in the phenomenon it's because worse. they were yeah. more open mm. to his ideas than even American ufologists who only want to hear about the propulsion of the extraterrestrial craft and, and what uh, civilizations are visiting us. And when he uh, tells about the psychic component that is so prevalent and so and so important in the UFO experience, it always landed in deaf ears in American ufology. But it was something that was re- well received in Argentinian ufology, and I think that got, got a, a big impression. Yeah, you 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 are right, and the journey for Dr. Vallée was very emotional too. You are right that he shared this trip to Argentina with his wife. Mm-hmm. And it was very, he told me that this case was very close to them because she was a child psychologist. Right. Janine was a child psychologist and she discussed plenty of times with him about this case, about Juan pureness. Uh, so it was, a, for him, it was a really special case. So that's why he wanted to to come to Argentina and to close a circle too, because he told me that the right. trip was a closing circle for him, not only for Juan, not only for myself or to Berlanda, but to but for Shaks, it was a close like a close circle. Yeah. One thing that impressed me after the, in this. Uh, I've been repeating this to people about your film. After the film was over, people were asking questions at, at contact there in the desert and Palm Springs. Um, and I can't remember what the question was. Maybe there wasn't even a question. But Dr. Valet said, you know, people that are going to government files and looking for, you know, looking for an answer there about the phenomenon that's not mm. the phenomenon. This here, this film, what happened to Juan, that's the phenomenon. Mm. That sums up, actually, I think, one, maybe what more people who are interested in this should be paying attention to and what should they open their yeah, minds up to. I, yeah, the key, the key to this phenomenon is in front of our eyes and we are trying to, 
to persuade the governments to open the files, etc. But the, it's it's for me it's a waste of time. The, the real phenomenon it's in it's in front of our eyes. It's on our. We're gonna start clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, well, yeah. You, you said that the uh, Warani tribe and Valet arrived at the same conclusion independently, and what that was was our perceived reality as something holographic projected all around yeah. us, which obscures a truer reality that remains invisible. And that's where the sm- spirit of the phenomenon is, um, behind which the, that, that which has been projected. I think that was your final statement in the movie, or at least part of it, and that that uh, you know that that pretty much summed up the film and. Uh, what went on uh, for me. And also I agree a hundred percent with it, which is another reason why I really enjoyed the film. I mean, I'm sorry, but it, it confirmed my biases. <laughs> um, Thank you. Throughout the course of the film, I think you've described some of it, but how did this experience change you? What did it do to you? What did it do to your opinion about the the UFO subject or even greater questions about um, existence and why we're here and what the meaning is and how that relates to the phenomenon? I mean, I think the phenomenon has a lot of things to tell us as as long as we do what you did with one is shut up and listen. Yeah. Well, since I was a child, I I kept asking myself, why are we here? What is life? What is death? My first movie, it's all about that. It's a journey that I made to the Andes with 200 questions. <laughs> and yeah, it was really, it was really hard. It was a really hard journey. It, I, I spent six months across the Andes with, among shamans uh, asking these kind of questions. Then my next step was making this film, but I always took the UFO phenomenon as a separate object from our perception or or our reality or our existence. But thanks to Juan and thanks to Dr. Valle, I could like pull all the pieces together and see now, I now see the UFO phenomenon as an as an, uh, as a phenomenon that is linked to the whole humanity. Last, no, last week, two weeks ago, I had an interview with the Kabbalist in in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Kabbalah, it's uh, like the esoteric knowledge from the Jewish. Right. Uh, yes. we, we were talking about extraterrestrial hypotheses about UFO, and he saw the, my movie, and in, in, in the Kabbalah, the UFO, we are the UFOs, but we we are when we died. So for the Kabbalah knowledge, the UFO are just the spiritual living creatures that were part of our humanity. And then after life, they become something else. So for them, it's really, really simple. And they... He tried to explain me that in when we when we die we go to another dimension and it's full of technology and they come from the material world to the unmaterial world and both of it, but we cannot achieve that technology. But someday we will be like uh, we will be allowed to 
to go to that to to that another dimension to the UFO dimension but now in in this present moment we are not we don't have the tools or the technology to do it and the Guarani people told me the same as the Kabbalists uh, told me that they they know that they, but the one one of the Guarani uh, the Plutarco told mm-hmm. me one thing that the UFO phenomenon has two faces. One face is evil, represents the evilness, and the other face represents the goodness. But we, as human beings, we cannot distinguish which belongs to who. Mm-hmm. So they had chants, very, uh, very old chants, that obligates the phenomenon to show the real face of it, if it belongs to the evil or it belongs to the good thing. I couldn't add this scene to the movie because it was really hard to digest because I cannot understand. It, it was really hard for me to, to put Yeah, if you can't I, under, I, understand it completely, you don't want to dishonor yeah. it by doing something that's, that's uh, not clear. Exactly, exactly. But that remembering texts from India, we were talking about Ganesh, but for example, in, in the Vedic text, they, uh, they talk about the, Veda, uh, the Devas and the Asuras. Mm-hmm. The Asuras are the, the evil and the Veda, the Devas are the, the good angels. Mm-hmm. The same happens in the, in the Waranin. They have the same knowledge, the same way of perceive this reality. But we as Western people, we get fascinated with lights and with beings without knowing what is that. So and and we try and we make like religions about this phenomenon. We make <laughs> cults, we we pray, we sit and meditate around these lights, and they are no not more than lights. And yeah. we don't know what what the, what are these lights. So the Warani told me to be very cautious, very responsible when I try to inter- on when we try to interact with this phenomenon, because yeah. it has two faces. Yeah, and or or we get obsessed with the merely with the external aspects of the. Of yeah, the, exactly. The, the, Thanks. The Thanks. Physicality of yeah. Hmm? yeah. He also said the same guy said um, you are all distracted. Yeah, exactly. We are all distracted. Exactly. The white man is distracted because, yeah, we get like obsessed with the superficial part of the phenomenon. And it's really, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the soul is a UFO as one of the chapters in in the book Supernatural by Jeffrey Kripal and Whitley Strieber. You know, maybe the people are so obsessed nowadays in the United States trying to find the secret of the UFO technology when maybe what we should do is like the Warnies and all these ancient people who have tried to retain the knowledge of a technology of the soul. You know, maybe that's the thing that we we should be focusing on instead of trying to come up with with machines that we think they're going to save us from the own mess that we have created with our previous <laughs> machines. Yeah. Uh, 
another thing that I wanted to ask you, Alan, is uh, what do you think about the prophetic aspect of, of, of this story, of one story? Uh, mm. there, there are several scenes in which he tries to explain to you these dreams that he's having of some kind of like black storm that is coming yeah. and that coming is to the destroy earth. everything. Yeah. What do you think of this? Well, it's... I, I try to not think so much about this because it's <laughs> it's a little bit creepy, but but yes, Juan plenty of time uh, had that vision, that vision of a storm or something that it's coming to the earth from the outside, from the space. But the the good thing or the tricky part is that this beings are helping us to, to try trying to avoid that to prevent uh, damage on earth from this thing that is coming i i try to take this this dream as a, as a symbolic a metaphor that mm -hmm. what it's what could happen to us if we still like damage damaging our earth da damaging our home not connecting to ourselves. I I prefer to to use this dream as an archetype of the destruction because the 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 Bible that I took for for doing this movie was uh, I don't know how we say it in English. It's the book from Carl Jung mm -hmm. uh, that talks about the UFOs and he was modern he was myth of things seen in the skies. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one, and and I really like the idea that he had about when people dreams about UFOs without knowing what is a UFO, that it's linked to to the archetype of God or to the archetype of a higher realm, and I believe that Juan is uh, like he has a connection, he's a bridge. He's a yes, a bridge man between this world and another world right. or another dimension, mm -hmm. and I know he has an ability to to see what it's what it's going to happen, but I try not to take this literally, just as a not an like a narrow destiny, right. just an, as an, a scenario, a possible scenario if we still going on. On, on on this level damaging our earth, earth. not so yeah let, let me ask you another thing do you envy him do you envy Juan being this bridge between two worlds a witness to a dimension of reality that most mm. of us can only experience through films like you yours or through books like written by people like Jacques Vallée do you envy him for the experience he's mm. had Personally, no, I don't envy him. I I know I use it in a good way because yeah. thanks to him, I could understand plenty of things, plenty of questions that I had very personally, very deep. But I try to be to be helpful also with him. Yeah. I, I want he. He helped me, and I try to help him also. Right. Because sometimes, when we research to witnesses, we took 
a lot from them and we don't give nothing right. in, in return. Mm -hmm. So I try to make a good balance of it. Now he's a friend of mine. I consider Juan as a friend. Uh, I'm a friend of his, his sisters. We chat a lot. I try to connect with him once, on, once a month or twice a month. So I, I don't envy. I, I, probably I could envy a little bit about the, his close encounter because he witnessed a, a, good, a, a good spectacular ship with, with beings, etc. But, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't envy his, his nightmare. Right, because it comes that the vision comes with a heavy baggage, right? Yeah, yeah, from a heavy baggage, exactly. Okay, to be a stupid American, uh, for my part, <laughs> can you describe chronologically, as far as you can tell, what happened to him on the day that this incident took place? Then people can have a little bit of a context uh, about what we've been talking about with the effects of it. Okay, let me try to explain. It's, it's really hard to me to explain in Spanish. You can imagine in English. So it was... <laughs> <laughs> we'll be patient. It's fine. Thank you. Thank you. It was six o'clock in the morning. Juan left his home and went to the, to the, to the, far, to the to, to outside to find the herd of horses. He, he arrived... Cometa, his favorite mm -hmm. horse, mm -hmm. and suddenly three lights came up above his head and make a frenetic dance above his head. His horse, Cometa, went really mad. He was, and Juan was very scared because he was afraid to, to go down, to fall from the horse. And then he, he went back to his house mm -hmm. and, and told his dad, 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 there is legs. There is a big leg object around my head. There, uh, what, what I, what should I do? And and his father ignored him completely and asked Juan to get all the horses back to the house because we have to start working. And then Juan ride his uh, horse again, and then he crossed a big amount of fog a very big amount of fog. And after that, he saw a big ship that was on the ground. But in, on that time, he didn't knew that it was a, a ship. He, he thought that it was a tractor or a house for workers from the farm. Mm -hmm. And then a tall being uh, around two meters and a half or three meters invited mm -hmm. him to come, to come inside. He thought that it was one of the workers from the farm. So he, he wasn't afraid. His horse was really afraid, but he wasn't. Hmm. So then he, he went down from the horse. He tied the horse to one of the ladders. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he tried to climb. It was really difficult for him because the stairs were really high. And then he climbed as uh, the, the best he he could, <clears throat> Ladder, and then yeah. he was he was inside of a big room, inside of this tractor or this ship, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and he saw on his, on his left there was a small being around one meter, one meter and a half. 
he didn't have uh, legs. Instead, he has like wheels. <laughs> um, his arms were with like two scissors instead of hands. Mm -hmm. And he was cutting meat inside a, um, above a table. Over, yes, above this table, a transparent table, there was meat. But there was no blood on the meat, mm -hmm. and he, he was cutting. On the other side, on his left, there was this tall being that invited Juan to come to come in. He was like touching uh, a big screen and a monitor and some keyboards. But the 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 detail was that this keyboard didn't have like. A volume. It was like uh, like now we we have the iPad and the, a tablet. Right. Like you didn't have any 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 buttons. Exactly. Any buttons. Just like touch screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then one of the best things is that all around Juan, in front of him, it was like a, a wall, electromagnetic <laughs> wall, transparent. Mm -hmm. That every time he wanted to go and cross it, he was rejected by this wall. He couldn't pass through. Repelled, but, yeah. Yeah, it was repelled. But the, the small being, thanks to his wheels, he moved and he, can, and he could cross it all around uh, from, from the side of Juan to the other side easily. But Juan couldn't. Mm. Then suddenly, one of the doors that was behind Juan started to, to close. And Juan was really afraid of get, um, of his father because his father was very, very strict. He was mm -hmm. like, Juan, yes, Juan was really afraid of his father to not doing his obligation. Uh, so mm -hmm. he said, goodbye, goodbye, I have to go, I have to go. Then he went with his horse, but he saw that his horse was really injured. And the tall guy went down with Juan, and Juan tried to ask help to this to this tall guy, saying like, please, please help my horse, is injured, help me, help me. Mm -hmm. And the tall guy tried to help him, and th this is not part of the movie, but I will explain later why this is not part, but mm -hmm. the 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 tall guy start to squeeze his arm very 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 um, tightly. Hard. Yeah, 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 and he received like a mark on his on his on his um, right arm. It's still there, and I think. He's still there. He's still there, and and then. Uh, one of the gloves that he, the tall guy had, he, he, Juan received one of the gloves and put yeah. his arm, arm inside of the glove. And Juan told us that he felt that it was moving inside of the glove. It was mm -hmm. something that was moving inside. It, it was really hard to, to explain to him, but that was the sensation that he had. And, and then the, the tall guy told him that it was a gift. It was a gift for him in order to to other people to like as a testimony that the experience was true. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. when I asked Juan if he heard the his voice of the tall guy, he told me that it, it was on like he received that uh, that message uh, telepathically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was not mm, by his mouth, by the mouth <coughs> of the tall being. So then he he get after he gets these these clubs he um, jump onto the horse and then get back to the house but five minutes before he could enter his house three little uh, little lights came out of the big ship and like make a, a persecution be, to 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 grab the the glove mm -hmm. so when So when when the these lights were above Juan's horse, they took the glove and ran away onto the ship. And then Juan gets into the house and start telling the story to his to his father. And the father was really angry because Juan left his house for 90 minutes mm. or two hours. Mm. Yeah. So the experience was not really traumatic. But the, because one of the questions that I had the, the whole time is, which, wh where, where is the trauma? Because he was really frightened about the, the UFO. But what I found out was that the experience for him was not good nor bad. But mm -hmm. the very traumatic issue was the dreams that he started to have immediately after the encounter. Mm -hmm. What kind of dreams? Uh, mainly about death, about accidents from his relatives, from his family, from neighbors. Um, so he told me that when he dreamed, when he, when he dur during the night, for example, when he goes to sleep, if he dreams with the arm t touching his left, uh, not his right arm to the bed, mm -hmm. He will enter this real dream, but if he sleeps looking at the uh, at the uh, ceiling or looking uh, sleeping with the side of the left the, with the left side, mm -hmm. he will have regular dream. Mm, so interesting. very interesting because it 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 looks it looks like when when the mark. The, the 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 right arm is on the on the right side when the mark is touched by the bed he is mm -hmm. like a trigger for him to, to right. something activates him and have this these real dreams these well, they sound like they sound like shamanic dreams where people used to yeah. they would uh, find somebody in their group that would actually have this ability and then cultivate it and let them cultivate it and then use it to try and figure out what to do in the future or what was going to happen in the future. And it sounds like that's what was happening to him, but he didn't understand it. Exactly. He was a shaman without knowing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Interesting yeah, because... Yeah. I, I, Go ahead. I also found another <laughs> case that uh, Valet in, uh, investigated that happened in, in, in Reading, very close where he lived, involving a mother and three daughters that Uh, they described going into a, a, a luminous cloud and they were driving outside of, of, of this uh, red, Reading town 
and they they experience missing time and and here's the thing that's interesting they reported being surprised at finding a gray glove by the side of the road <laughs> at night you know wow. and one of the girls keeps dreaming about that glove it is worn in her dream by a tall man in an armor of armor of gray nylon Yet I, and, and Ballet writes, yet I haven't told anyone, not even Bill, about the case at Venado Tuerto, where the dramatic scene of the Grey Glove occurred. So I don't know, man. I mean, what is, what is it with these goddamn Grey Gloves? <laughs> yeah, well, also things you I said like know. scissors or claws. I mean, that, that appears in a lot of cases, most famously Pascagoula. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's a motif that uh, maybe should be looked at a little bit more closely or looked at in, in um, uh, as an archetypal well, symbol or from different uh-huh. religions or whatever. I think one thing that Juan and said I, that... And I, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. You go ahead and talk about what I just said. No, I, I forgot to mention that one of the things that happened to this case was that two days before the encounter, two cows were found mutilated. Mm. Ah, two cows instead of one. Okay. Yeah, in the house of Juan. Uh, and after that, we found, like, meat inside of this ship. And one of the questions that Jack Ballet told to Juan was if he thinks, if Juan thinks there is, if there is a relationship between the cows mutilated um, and the meat inside of the ship. Yeah, and Juan realized that yes, probably there is a connection. Mm. Was this case ever investigated by the Argentine government? You know, officials. No, going no never. Okay. No, no, never. Because they, I think now there is a commission commission in Argentina mm-hmm. that they are, they are studying. A UFO, but they only focus on on evidences from photographs or videos. The same that happens in in other countries. They only focus on evidence because this commission is from the air forces, so it's right. military. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, so that's the way they look at it. Yeah, they don't focus on psychological aspects or witnesses that is they are having trauma or etc they only focus on the evidence and that's it mm-hmm. but the evidence is <laughs> are the witness so it's we are in a in a middle of, of a paradox speaking of the other of witnesses uh, has Juan ever gotten in, gotten in contact with the other two witnesses? that experienced yeah. encounters mm. that, that excellent, day? Excellent question. We, we, we did an encounter with the Carlos Ealion, the other witness, because mm-hmm. the, the, other, the third one was in another town very far away from Benado Tuerto. Mm-hmm. Um, we, make a, we made an, a very beautiful scene that is not part of the movie, but it was very powerful because... It was like a reunion. <laughs> the sensation was like uh, two X-Men were getting together, talking about <laughs> their experience. And there was a particular moment that was actually one of the best ones. One told, told Carlos that when he 
when he was injured by this tall bean, there were no blood. And mm-hmm. when he cut, he like, how do I say, um, uh, his, his, his inj- he heals very quickly and mm-hmm. no blood comes out. And when Carlos, the other witness, heard that, he said, me too. The, the same thing happens to me when my my he he's like uh, um, he works with woods. He's yeah. a carpenter. How do I say? Carpenter. Yeah. yeah. So he works with plenty of mm, very mm, with the tools. Machines. Yeah, dangerous tools yeah, that will tools, injure him. Dangerous. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Dangerous mm-hmm. tools. And one time he he cuts his fingers, and no mm-hmm. blood comes out of his fingers mm. and mm. and there was a joke among his friends and family that says you were held with this you, with your friend the extraterrestrial but they were mockering of him right but yeah, this I mean, scene was really powerful exactly i mean i i, I one thing that uh, struck me from seeing juan in the film is uh Correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but I gather that he's 52 years of old by now. Yes, now he's 52. Yes. Yeah, born in okay, 66. I guess he doesn't look like 52. I mean, he barely has any kind of gray uh, hairs on his head. I can, I have more gray hairs on my beard. I'm 46, <laughs> and maybe you contribute to his healthy lifestyle. Uh, you know that, he, that he's always there in the country breathing fresh air and doing exercise but he seems to be in excellent health you know younger than than what his age yeah totally he's yes he's like a child probably Mm -hmm. when he's 60 he will feel the same you will feel that you are in front of a child Mm. How, yeah. yeah, but how has it affected him physiologically? Do you, you do you think that you know he just has good genes, or does it does it spread to other areas of his life? Just like no, this other witness with well, the, with the not bleeding. The the there is a common thing between um, between Juan and Carlos and Roberto, the other one. Mm-hmm. The the innocence when I when I stood. In front of them, I feel I was like feeling that I was in front of three childs. Hmm. Yeah, the innocence, the pureness was one of the most like variable among the three of them. And also, Juan has good genes, but if you see his brothers or the, his sister, you will see that they are on their age. But mm. not Juan. Juan is really special. Hmm. Yeah. Is his mother the same? No, no. The, his mother. It's. I think his mother are nearly eighty. Yeah. But she's she suffered a lot on this life, so she's not. She's not well. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing with uh, shamanic uh, personality. I think that either they are almost superhuman or they have a lot of health problems. Yeah. Hmm. Right. I agree. I well, d- one had plenty of, of problems because I, I, I didn't mention this thing in the movie, but one suffered, uh, 
a nearly death experience also mm. when mm -hmm. he was yeah when he was working on the field he helped another co-worker who jumped onto a, a big machine and his leg was stood there was stuck there sorry mm -hmm. uh, one helped it and but he suffered with another machine and then he started to to drink like some pills mm -hmm. uh, for the for the ill and he was oh, not yeah. used to to drink this mm. kind of to take this kind of pills and oh, then for the for the pain start to suffering yeah yeah for pain, pain so he had a bad reaction to the medication mm -hmm. yeah he was like re rejecting this kind of drugs mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. one day while he was working on the on the farm his heart were like he had a, like a heart attack a, how, how do you say a, a, yeah a heart attack and he died for 15 minutes he was like passed away <laughs> And then, well, this is a, a really long story, but Juan, on, on that ahead. time, he had a, an early death experience, but when he was having that experience, he entered to a dream that he had two weeks ago. He finished the dream hmm. while he was having that experience, and it was a really shamanic uh, dream because he had to choose if he goes to the evil or he mm. goes to the goodness and he choose mm. no no i have I, i'm with god he said in the dream i i choose god and after that when he said that i choose god he was on a mountain with a big uh, with a big like a um, stick a good stick and mm. one it was like a di divided on two on, on the right side it was a big party that represents mm. the evilness. And in the other side, there was just a table and uh, a mate. A mate is like, uh, it's mm -hmm. like a tea in Argentina yeah. and Paraguay. Yeah. And he wanted to go there, but he couldn't because he had before to choose. And he said, I'm with God. I'm with God. I'm, I don't want to go party. I'm with God. And after that, a light similar to the, the, the ship that he he saw when he was 12 came up out came up from the sky start to descend to the table and he said oh i'm with god and immediately after he he was in a hospital uh, and the doctor was like um, he, using that tool to reanimate people that is right. having the heart attack i don't yeah. remember oh, the, the, uh, yeah yeah the, um, yeah the yeah the, the one that shocks your, your, your heart. Yeah, so it starts exactly. up. Yeah. 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 Uh, defibrillator. So I, I, this fibrillator, uh, the fibrillator, uh, exactly. Yeah. That one, that one. Uh, and that was one of the, the most powerful experience that Juan had because he was, he was dead for, for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Was it, this was long after the, his experience though. This was when he was probably a young adult. Yeah, 40, 40 years ago, uh, 40 years he had. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. I noticed something in the film today watching it um, for the second time. There's a lot of birds in the film. <laughs> yeah. 
Lots of words. Is that a motif for some sort of a, a motif? Because And the, the other thing is the very last thing, the very last shot in the movie just about are shots of bird's wings in the Warani village, just hanging up and drying yeah. or whatever that they use ceremonially. So I was wondering if that, that was something conscious. Did you did you use the birds and the bird wings as some sort of uh, symbol, or am I just reading too much? We use it as a symbol, but during the post-production. It was not my intention during the shooting. It was something <laughs> that, yeah, it was something that came up. And it's not really common, but there is one scene that I walking and there are plenty of birds coming by um mm-hmm. for us it was for example juan has a really special connection with all the animals and yeah he yeah. taught me a lot about birds about their seeing the way of they sing the message that are telling us and we don't know how to listen it because right. juan knows when 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 a rain when when it's gonna when it's gonna rain, when the sun will come, when a UFO it's gonna come also, and mm. and he noticed all of these things thanks to the nature, thanks to that connection that he had with nature. Mm. So it's really amazing to see uh, how Juan connects with all the environment because he that that's the real. A tool of the sh- of a shaman, the connection with with all with all the entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fully awareness of his surroundings. Yeah, exactly. I just looked at those bird wings as kind of a symbol of whatever was going on with him was being freed up. That, yeah, that's how I read the bird wings at the end. Yeah, I like that. I noticed that. Uh, I think. During the interview, Valet actually, Dr. Valet said he actually took a few months to relearn Spanish so he could talk to Juan ah, yeah. directly. I thought that was kind of amazing. It was amazing. He took like four months or five months of classes of Spanish because he he wanted to chat with Juan without an intermediate. Right. Yeah. So so it was amazing to see Juan and Jack talking in Spanish without cameras just by themselves it was really it was really nice to see that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said at the beginning of this interview that I'd like um, Miguel to ask you a question in Spanish and have you answer in Spanish and we don't even have to translate it okay <laughs> <laughs> I can understand it probably 50 is 50 to sometimes more percent of Spanish. So you guys go ahead. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. As long as it's not being very fast like uh, Puerto Ricans speak. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I will try to speak slowly. <laughs> Don't worry. Ah, en serio, ya se me acabaron las, las preguntas. Bueno, nada más, ¿qué es lo que sigue? Eh, um, ¿Cuáles son tus eh, proyectos futuros? ¿Algo que tenga que ver con, con el fenómeno OVNI o...? o... ¿O esto sí. es algo que lo vas a dejar por el momento y te vas a enfocar a, a, a otros temas, otras cosas? Hmm. Yeah. Es una buena pregunta. La verdad es que creo que no, no, no sé si haré otra película específicamente del fenómeno OVNI a nivel documental porque siento que en esta pude responder a grandes rasgos algunos interrogantes, pero 
el fenómeno OVNI estará presente en mi próxima película de otra forma, porque es una película que intento hacer hace más de 10 años que tiene que ver con la búsqueda de una civilización perdida, una civilización madre perdida en el tiempo, mm. una especie de tradición primordial o religión primordial que dio inicio a todas las culturas primigenias que conocemos, mm. la sumeria, la egipcia, la andina, mm. y, y esta civilización perdida, que creemos que está perdida, en realidad descansa sus restos en la arqueología, y con, el, con la ayuda y el trabajo de Anselm Pirrambla, un investigador catalán, uno de los más importantes del todo el mundo, el único que ha excavado en los Andes para encontrar los restos de esta civilización perdida, él logró excavar en el, en el antiguo convento de Santo Domingo, el, el actual convento de Santo Domingo, el antiguo Coricancha, que es el Templo Inca del Sol, porque debajo de ese, de ese convento se encontraría un túnel, como, como sabes, como en México pasa lo mismo, que claro. a partir de la conquista se edificaron iglesias, conventos, Exacto. arriba de todos los templos de la antigüedad. Sí. Una forma de sometimiento y a su vez también como punto energético, porque los antiguos construían en los lugares más precisos energéticamente hablando. Exactamente. Y, y bueno, ese proyecto quedó trunco en el año 2000, Anselm logró excavar pero no pudo sacar a la luz ese túnel por trabas con la iglesia y con el Estado, uh -huh. y la idea es poder hacer un viaje, un viaje épico de un año alrededor de todo el mundo, viajar a la India, viajar al Tíbet, hablar con monjes que nadie haya podido hablar antes, y por ejemplo que en el Tíbet cuenten la historia de Shambhala, que Shambhala claro. sería una, una antigua ciudad subterránea donde sí. se encontrarían los Budas y hay total paz, no existe la maldad. Sí. Lo mismo viajar a los Andes que cuenten sobre la Shambhala andina. Curiosamente sí. aproveché mi viaje a Paraguay y hablando con los chamanes, hablando específicamente con Plutarco, le pregunté porque el guaraní tiene un mito, un mito ancestral que habla de la tierra sin mal. Ellos, los guaraníes, durante siglos hacían peregrinajes en búsqueda de la tierra sin mal para poder volver a esa tierra primigenia donde el mal uh -huh. nunca puede penetrar. Uh -huh. Y el mal ha penetrado en la tierra, entonces esa tierra quedó como selecta, como refugiada, como el último vestigio de bondad en el mundo. Entonces, por eso se lo cuida tanto. Pero no sí. sabemos dónde está. Pero yo me tomé sí. el atrevimiento... Uh -huh. preguntarle a Plutarco si es posible que esa tierra sin mal se encontraría debajo de la tierra y después uh -huh. de unos cinco minutos de silencio mirándome fijamente me dice que sí que se encuentra debajo de la tierra al igual que el resto de la mitología del mundo que habla sobre este misterio subterráneo uh -huh. y la sí. película tiene de nombre provisorio eh, en búsqueda del, no, el secreto del mundo interno, mm. porque la idea es hablar de la relación del mundo subterráneo, o el Ujupacha para los andinos, uh -huh. o Chivalba para los mayas, sí. eh, y la relación que existe con eh, el origen del hombre, qué relación existe con esta civilización antigua, y por supuesto, qué relación existe con el fenómeno ovni, porque la hay. 
Claro, claro. Pues sí suena, suena increíble. Digo, yo cuando era joven, eh, el contactado peruano Sixto Paz fue a dar una conferencia a mi universidad, la Universidad Iberoamericana. Nos habló acerca de sus experiencias, de su grupo, tratando de localizar eh, la ciudad blanca de Paititi, que claro. se supone que está este, perdida en algún punto de la Amazonia. Y bueno, también yo, como alguien interesado en estos temas, he tratado de investigar acerca de lo que es la Cueva de los Tallos, en ah, Ecuador, sí, sí. donde hay muchísimas rumores, eh, sin mm. verificar muchas historias acerca de, de, de salas enormes que están... La Biblioteca en, de Oro, sí, sí. Exacto, la, la Biblioteca de Oro, esta, esta expedición donde se supone que participó Neil Armstrong y en donde se supone que sacaron cosas... Entonces, sí, todo esto que me estás contando se me hace increíble. No sé si, si estés pensando en a lo mejor también invitar a alguien como Graham Hancock, que es bueno, no. que, que, Justo, que está muy sí, acabo, acabo de estar en la casa de Hancock hace ah. tres semanas. Oh, wow. sí. oh really? <risa> sí. Oh, for the sí, film. Le conté for the yes, I, I try to invite him to, to participate to the film. He's analyzing mm -hmm. and he's also will, will go into support witness because he he really liked the movie and he will probably post some tweets on his social network. But right. I really wanted to to invite him to participate on this on this quest because he's one of the best authors that knows pretty well about this lost civilization yeah i think what i got was that your next film is it's far more far reaching than this one and it's deals with uh similar mythologies about the origins of of man and that the other thing i got out of this is that you i think that you said was that uh the warani um, elder plutarco was actually the catalyst was the person that inspired you to go on and do this next film right Yeah, right. Right. And uh, another thing I've heard was that you were talking about uh, uh, structures underground um, and, how yeah. those, and how those occur throughout uh, all of the ancient world. And then um, connects in with what Plutarco said about the, the origins of uh, humanity and the, also what's going on now and what spirits, beings, whatever you would call them, would still do live underground, which also connects with um, the idea of uh, Amer Native Americans, especially Southwestern, um, like yeah, the Hopi the and Navajo, the saying that they came out of yeah. the earth as well, were, were born out of the earth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, and we don't know nothing about the underworld. It's still... There are plenty of construction. The archaeologists are in the early stage of finding out this evidence about this lost civilization. And it's really hard for them to to like to say that it's there there was a, an ancient civilization in America because every book that they read is wrong. And we need to rewrite our history. Right. So it's it, right. we are dealing with a major issue. Mm -hmm. We've kept you for over two hours now. Do you have something else you wanted to ask, Miguel? Or um, should I ask uh, Alan which song he wants to hear? 
<laughs> Nothing. I just want to ask Alan, uh, thank Alan for for uh, being so uh, generous with uh, his time. Uh, you, uh, you don't know this, Alan, but today happens to be my birthday. Yes, feliz oh. cumpleaños. Gracias. And I couldn't think of a better way to spend my birthday than than talking to you guys about uh, this wonderful film that I hope everyone who listens to this uh, rushes to 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 find it. Oh yeah, you have to. Yeah, tell tell us how we can watch it. Well, uh, it will be uh, released on October twenty second in plenty of platforms such as iTunes, Amazon, Google, all of them. And you can find more information on our website, uh, www.witnessofanotherworld.com. And you will have uh, exclusive content also if you sign up to our newsletter. Thanks so much for giving so much of your time and talking us very in depth and talking about things that weren't even in the film. Maybe we can talk more about it later. I was very intrigued by what happened with your crew. So, um, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I really enjoy it. it the, one of the best questions that I've ever received. It was really hard for me to, to answer them, but it was really challenging me. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Uh, all guests get to pick their own music at the end, and I'll just if I can find it on YouTube, I'll play it. You want to pick a song to 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 finish the the yeah. the tr- um, okay. Que canción pre- prefiero prefiera? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I like me. the uh, well, let me think. Interstellar, the main theme from um, oh, how do I say the name of the composer? Um, let me find it. Interstellar. Uh, do you know the, the movie, right? Hans, yeah, Hans Zimmer. Han, yeah, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, the main theme. Thanks so much again. Um, muchísimas gracias, uh, Alan. Muchísimas gracias. Muchas gracias. All right, thanks. Thank Actually, um, let me turn off the... Well, I'll keep it recording. Um, what? What? If you have a couple minutes, what happened to the crew during that... Well, during the regression... Yeah, when when they all went to sleep, did some because Miguel said, did some of them freak out and run out of the room, or what, what was their reaction? No, they, they when we finished, then all suddenly start to to wake up, and and that's it. it they, they they all felt like some energy really heavy start to come, and then smoothly start to to fall in asleep. It was really really strange but we couldn't stop the regression because we were dealing with Juan so yeah mm-hmm. our focus was with Juan and what did Juan think about this when he found out that everybody went to sleep during the when he started talking about the being sorry you you said like oh what what, what did Juan reaction? think about this situation about what happened with the with the lights and everything oh i don't know no i don't know it's mm. really strange because I don't have a conclusion. I, I don't know what happened. It's. Mm. I think that the, the most accurate answer could be that we were like actually dealing with the phenomenon in on that time, on that time and space. Yeah. Um, similar, for example, that what happens with with Stranger Things, that 
mm-hmm. in the series mm-hmm. they, they deal with the upside down yeah and mm-hmm. strange things happens in their reality and in the other reality too that affects both of them yeah yeah just by yeah. talking to him about it you it was almost like a ritual that brought this stuff up yeah hmm. yeah I think that that happened okay it, it's, it's it's really strange to talk about that because everyone will think that we are crazy but it's the most like accurate answer because the the phenomenon happened mm-hmm. everyone fall asleep immediately mm-hmm. did valet say anything about that uh, I don't think I mentioned mm-hmm. to valet mm-hmm. I forgot to mention it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like no. any a lot of weird things, people for for some reason it just goes to the back of your mind because it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah it doesn't register. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> so, we we won't keep you any longer unless Miguel wanted yeah. to ask you something. No, no. The only I guess the only question that I did find that I had left is Ballet didn't join you guys on the trip to Paraguay, did he? No, no. I went by my. The, I made two trips. The first one, I did it by myself, just with my camera. Mm-hmm. And the other trip with Juan, it was just Juan and myself and and one boom operator. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. I hope we can talk again sometime, whether it's an interview or not. But uh, I hope the film does really well, especially in this country, in the United States. People should really see the film so they can... Um, get a better idea of, you know, maybe what should we should be concentrating on rather than, like you said, the show or like Plutarco said, be, being distracted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that the message on this field could be like a new fresh air to the ufology world and we can see the phenomenon from another perspective. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to you. Okay. Thank Gracias you, Greg. Right. Gracias, Miguel. Gracias. Un abrazo grande. Igualmente. <laughs> yeah. Buenas Igualmente. noches. Hasta luego. Buenas right. noches. Bye. 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 Bye.